Hello, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am your host, Cody Stoffer, for this edition of Requests, which is part 30. And we got a lot of out-of-staters in this episode, as well as one in-stater, mainly class of 2022 and 2021. So, and, you know, just wanted to give a reminder to all of our requests out there that we are making our way through our request list. Going to really start hammering out some of these class of 2021 out-of-staters, primarily, because that's the majority of our list right now. And then obviously, if there's any more class of 21 Colorado kiddos coming in, then we will focus on those. And last but not least, you know, our class of 2022 kiddos here in Colorado, we are going to wait to do their breakdowns in the fall in case they are a top five player at their position. So transitioning into the actual episode here, we're going to be talking about Taryn Cox, the six foot, 160 pound safety out of Ottawa High School in Kansas, you know, Ottawa, Kansas, who has a couple of offers to Dakota Wesleyan and the University of Minnesota Morris. So I'm going to jump right in here and talk about some strengths of Tiernan. And one of those is that, you know, in the past game, Tiernan recognizes the plays and the flows very well. He keeps his eyes on the quarterback and, you know, he's able to make reads on what side of the field the ball is going to. And he's a pretty good high pointer and has pretty solid ball skills when the ball's in the air. And that's the reason why he's been able to rack up a couple of interceptions throughout the years. I think that maybe one of his in his film got called back due to penalty. However, it doesn't negate the athleticism and the skill it took to be in position to make said interception on his film. So I just wanted to clarify that first. And then I think, you know, his flow does also translate pretty well to the run game. You know, he's never really caught off guard by a counter or you know a double toss or reverse he does show ability to kind of counter those with you know his football intuition and his football iq and still find a way to you know get towards the ball and he's always around wherever the play is basically you know so he flows around the field very well and i also think that you know he runs with a with a head full of steam wherever he's going wherever the ball is you know he finds a way to kind of get there as soon as possible and you know avoid you know getting clogged up in a bunch of traffic before getting there i think that especially in the run game he flows downhill super well towards the football and you know finds a way to get to the ball carrier or you know if there's passes that do end up complete on his side he does find a way to stop those receivers from gaining any more yards you know particularly particularly on those slant routes or those deep in routes especially you know, Tiernan is going to stop it right then and there. So those are some things that I do like about Cox's game. And I do actually have quite a few areas of improvement for Tiernan to work on heading into his senior year in order to improve as a football player. And I think that it starts with his footwork. Um, his footwork overall is really clunky, especially for somebody who's, you know, in the, in the secondary more than anything. Um, <clears throat> He just doesn't transition from side to side very well. Uh, when he backpedals, he stands basically straight up and that makes him super unbalanced. So, you know, if he gets caught in a man-to-man -man situation as a safety because he primarily only plays cover three or like a cover one cowboy robber where he can kind of play the whole field, then if he gets caught in man coverage, a double move could definitely end his night, I think, or, you know, lead to a gigantic play. So I think... Just finding a way to operate at that athletic position that 
90-ish degree bend in your knees whenever you push off or your back pedal, you'll get a lot more power, you'll create a lot more distance, and you know, you won't have to worry about getting beat over the top with the distance that you create on your back pedal. I also think that, you know, with that footwork, it translates into the run game as well, where you know, you need to be able to stick that foot in the ground and push off and get to the ball. You know, you flow well to the ball and you find a way to get there. However, I think that your explosiveness could be improved with your footwork being improved at the same time. I also think that, you know, from moving just down and then up as far as positions to work on is your hip mobility. Uh, you don't flip your hips super well. If I got to be completely honest, you know, that one of the interceptions that you have I, you know, it's good that you still got there, but you could have got there a lot faster. And then maybe you could have had like a run after getting the interception if your hips could move a little bit better. And I think that would also help your versatility because I'd love to see you get some snaps at slot corner or something like that. But I think that on that next level, you would just be too much of a liability not being able to move your hips. And that's another reason why, you know, I'd be kind of afraid to put you in man coverage between your footwork and your hips. It's just... You know, as a wide receiver, it'd be my dream to watch film of you and think that I could potentially have a one-on-one -on -one matchup because almost any move or any double move in the book uh, would be able to get you falling back on your heels. So definitely work on just that balance, that footwork and that hip movement. And then talking a little bit more about like the football technique aspects, I think that Tiernan here is a pretty inconsistent tackler. When Tiernan does wrap up, it is a very solid tackle. However, he does like to dive at knees quite a bit at the time. So I think that, you know, just focus on wrapping up and being more consistent with your tackles in general will help you out quite a bit. Uh, but most of it is very fundamental, very basic technique stuff and body control that I think that you need to work on. Um, I do also hope that you can put on a little bit more weight at 160 pounds or transition over to cornerback, which in which case I would still hope that you put on weight, but if you're able to fix these things, then I think that cornerback might be a better position for you at a smaller size. But going to talk about outlook here, and I kind of talked about it a little bit. If you can make a transition to cornerback because you succeed at being able to move your hips and succeed at working on that footwork, then, you know, that's perfect. I think that's the best opportunity you have for getting to a higher level on the next level at you know at, at that collegiate football level but you know he does have offers to dakota wesleyan and university of minnesota morris and those are naia and d3 schools i do think that you know there that you're still kind of raw tiernan is still pretty raw so he should definitely look at you know these d3 or naia opportunities and jump on them or you know living in kansas there's a bunch of juco schools if you want to try and increase your chances of getting to you know that division one or even that high-end d2 level i think that juco would be the recommended route because i think that you just need another year or two of coaching and just working on consistently getting those drills together and getting a bit stronger and faster in the whole nine so that's kind of my outlook for tiern and cox I obviously wish him nothing but the best, and you know this is an invite to join us on the show if you ever want to, and kind of clarify some things if you feel the need, or just chop it up with us and talk football. But that does it for our Kansas recruit that we're talking about. Coming up next, we will be jumping to Pennsylvania.
Hey y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast, Request Part 30, and we're going to talk about another class of 2022 prospect here in Terrell Booth, the six foot, 175 pound linebacker slash wide receiver. And, you know, we usually here at the Playmakers Corner try and do a breakdown of, you know, one side of the ball more so than the other that we might see. However, Terrell Booth is a very intriguing prospect just due to the very high uh, physical upside that he brings to the game and some flashes that he shows on both sides of the ball as well as some accolades that he has on both sides of the ball that I'll be talking about. And then, you know, the flip side of that is that there's a lot of room for improvement on both sides to kind of iron out some of the, you know, less uh, refined aspects of his game. But I'm going to start off with some positives with Terrell Booth here. And part of what makes Booth here so special is that, you know, he is a two-time first-team all-conference receiver. So, you know, he shows a lot of upside on the offensive side of the ball. But he's also a 2019 defensive MVP, right? So, you know, there's a lot to like about both sides of the ball. And a lot of that just comes from how great of an athlete he is and his frame, you know, six foot. And I've seen 175 pounds and I've seen 180 pounds. So somewhere within that range, he just has a great size to play a plethora of positions on the football field. And, you know, some of the things that he does well as a wide receiver and the reason why he's a two-time all-conference player is because, you know, he, A, shows the ability to get open and kind of show some field awareness as far as being able to find the green on the field. And But it's his field vision whenever he does get the ball, you know. Getting the ball in Terrell Booth's hands with room to run is deadly if you're a defense because he will gash you. He'll run all the way across the field and find a way to score, you know. So he's very good at going against the grain or going with the grain and just, you know, finagling his way into the end zone one way or another. And he shows great vision as far as using his blockers and cutting in and out. And on top of that, you know, he's a pretty strong lad. He's pretty hard to bring down. I don't think that a single defender brings him down by themselves very often. It's it's very rare if it does happen on his film that one defender is able to bring down Terrell Booth just because he's just so powerful when running with the ball. And, you know, he's just so fast too. You know, he's very physical and, you know, he's willing to put a shoulder down and just bull rush through somebody, you know, with the ball in his hands and just break him down like a bad door or... You know, he's willing to cut back and use his blockers and do what he has to do. He has a nose for the end zone. In less games his junior year, actually, than his sophomore year, he scored three more touchdowns on the receiving end of the ball. So, you know, and while his yards per catch went down just a little bit, his touchdown production, which is the more important one, in my opinion, it went up on fewer receptions. So... You know, kudos to him for finding ways to get into the end zone more effectively and more efficiently at the wideout position. As far as being a 2019 Defensive Player of the Year, I think that that comes from, you know, he is able to time cadences very well, and he has a pretty good first step off the ball, uh, despite, you know, not always being in a stance, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, he has a very explosive first step off the ball. He's able to slice like a hot knife through butter, that offensive line where sometimes alignment doesn't even get their hands on him and he makes the play in the backfield on top of that you know it, he has great size and so he's able to square up 
to basically anyone who has the ball, tight ends, wide receivers, and running backs, and you know make plays on them. And obviously, you know, with a lot of the catching practice that he has on the offensive side of the ball, he brings that to the defensive side of the ball. One of his major plays is, you know, a really heads up play. It shows good instincts where it's a screenplay gone wrong for the offense, where the ball just comes out too too high and it gets tipped by the running back. And Terrell here is just, you know, he has his eyes on the backfield and his eyes on the quarterback and he's reading the play and it gets popped up and he makes a great play on the ball and scoops it up right before it hits the ground, you know, and takes it back quite a few yards on a return because like I said, on the offensive side of the ball, he's good at finding the green and, you know, deviating towards it. So, you know, those are a lot of things that I like about Terrell Booth kind of on both sides of the ball and just how he's a threat as both a wide receiver and as a linebacker and why I'm not entirely sure where I would want him. I do think that he does have more snaps on the offensive side of the ball where he's making plays than the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot to learn about his senior year film and just how much, you know, uh, Sarah Catholic High School out of Pennsylvania decides to use him. So we'll definitely see about that on top of, you know, just on defense. He's also a playmaker, not only in the pass game, but in the run game, you know, he punches the ball out a lot. He has a handful of strips on his highlight reel. And so that's why it's really hard for me to decide, like I would keep playing him on both sides of the ball. Um, I think that due to supply and demand, I might look to have him play linebacker at my school, but it also would depend on the depth chart and a million other things. <clears throat> As a scout though, I will have to level with Terrell here and say that, you know, he's a very raw football player technique wise. I think that there is a lot of room for improvement here. You know, I think that his footwork, whether he's at wide out or at linebacker is severely lacking, you know, in pass coverage, I'm not a huge fan of his back pedal. I'm not a huge fan of his side shuffle in the run game as a linebacker. He's very rarely in a stance or he's standing straight up. And I think against greater competition, that next level, competition you're going to find that that doesn't work as well so i want to see more athletic stances and a lot more effort put into those stances on the defensive side of the ball as well as the offensive side of the ball you know um he doesn't always line up with his inside foot forward at wide receiver which kind of drives me nuts and it limits the amount of releases that he has which he has no variety of releases really from what i could see on his film and you know he does rock back onto his back foot which slows down his you know, his whole, his entire route, really. And, you know, I also think that his routes, he rounds them uh, pretty consistently and they're not really crisp. And, you know, I think a lot of it is just, you got to want it. You know, you have to show a little bit more drive and you want to be a bit more perfect of a football player. You know, I know perfect is a very strong word, but I think that that may be the carrot on the stick that, you know, could get Terrell Booth to that next level. And so Terrell, you know, if you're listening to this, just like <clears throat> really buckle down, see how the pros do it, see how the next level does it, watch their technique, watch their footwork and watch where it leads them, you know, and how much more of a jump they get on their opponent when they're able to refine stuff like that. And, you know, just be a bit more crisp in everything that you do, I think is a good goal to have for this off season and working on you know, those, those positions on kind of a side note, talking about actual game film, I would like to see, you know, him, he does 
catch with his hands. However, I'd like to see him do it more, especially on deep routes, you know, down the sideline and stuff. I think he relies on his body a little bit too much and baskets it in when I know he can make the diamond with his hands and then reel it in that way. And I want to see him do that a little bit more when he does get the chances to, because he did have plenty of chances, but I think he was a little too afraid of dropping the ball. And it's like, well, you know how to catch it. So just go ahead and do that. Right. So this is, you know, coach Stoffer over here, coach Cody, giving you a vote of confidence to just use your hands. And then that opens up a lot more plays whenever you're not catching with your body. Cause then you have to make an adjustment too. <clears throat> On the defensive side of the ball, I do think that his tackling could be a little bit more consistent, kind of like I talked about with Tiernan, um, where he either doesn't always wrap up and he just relies on throwing down a shoulder or, you know, he just kind of plays patty cake sometimes until his teammates can help him out a little bit more. So, but I mean, you're six foot, 180 pounds, so go lay the freaking wood and, uh, you know, put on some weight too, I'd say, whether if you're planning on if I was recruiting him for linebacker, I would want Terrell Booth to put on probably another 15 pounds at least where he is. You know, he's probably in a bit more of a better position with his body composition right now for wide receiver. So I'll, that's something for people to think about whenever I start to transition to outlook. But on the defensive side of the ball, like I said, I want to see more consistent tackling. I want to see him in more coverage, especially man coverage, because I think that that'll be a huge testament to his growth in footwork or where or what his true status is in footwork because man coverage if your footwork isn't good you're going to get torched that's just how it is and i think the level of competition that he's playing right now in whatever conference he is doesn't challenge him enough to really kick it into that next gear so while terrell is able to dominate at this level i want him to be the best at this level is what i would want as a scout if I was going to recruit him from a D1 perspective. And so that kind of transitions into outlook here. I love Terrell Booth, the six foot, 180 pound football player. He is just a straight up football player and he has a bunch of upside, right? However, he's definitely significantly behind in technique compared to a lot of other recruits that I've seen doing these breakdowns. So, you know, I'd say he is just from raw physical, you know, four or five speed and frame. He is, at the bare minimum, a Division II player, is what I will say, with the upside of being an FCS Division I player. However, Terrell, I will recommend looking into JUCO. You know, I know I mentioned this with Tiernan, but I especially recommend this to you because I think that you can cash in on a way bigger offer with two to three years out of JUCO where, you know, that, because it's still that collegiate coaching and they can help you iron out, you know, all this technique stuff and be ready to take a jump towards that next level and be able to play, you know, even beyond FCS division one football. And so obviously play the cards that you're dealt, see what kind of looks you get. If you get an offer to division one anywhere, I think that would be significant. However, I do think that with the right coaching in the right direction and right kind of guide that, you know, at the very high end, you could eventually be a power five player. Um, you're just not quite there yet. And there's a long road to get there that requires, like I said, probably three years of Juco um, at the bare minimum too. So that's kind of what I see for Terrell Booth here out of uh, Sarah Catholic High School in Pennsylvania. Obviously, I wish him nothing but the best. And once again, this is a formal invite onto the show. 
but we will be jumping over to the offensive side of the ball exclusively back here in Colorado coming up next. Hey y'all and welcome back to the box state here in Colorado where we make a return to Overland High School to talk about Kamari Brown, the six foot three, 225 pound tight end slash wide receiver who, you know, was able to show out in the Centennial League, which means something. But I'm going to start with areas of improvement for Kamari here first. And the first one that's kind of very apparent and, you know, I think the biggest deterrent to scouts is he's just not very fast. Um, and in addition to that, he never in his film lines up with his hand in the dirt, which is a bit odd for a tight end. And I don't think he's fast enough to be a receiver. So I, you don't really get to see him block against people who are his size. Uh, if you do, it's maybe once or twice on the film that I watched on his huddle. And so you don't know what he looks like as a true tight end. You know, Overland found a lot of creative ways to utilize him in the pass game and even get him getting him to block in the run game. And I'll talk about that. However, you know, you don't get to see like he's just too slow to be a wide receiver at this moment in time, I think. And it's hard to take a chance on a tight end that's used the way that Kamari is unless you already have a system in place for him to succeed. So, you know, there's definitely demand for Kamari Brown and I'll explain why in the strength section but he's just in a very polarized place between wide receiver and tight end that's kind of stuck and almost puts him at more of that uh, tight end two position for a lot of schools if they run that or, you know, that exclusive pass catching but big body tight end, which, you know, is in demand and I think that he will succeed at the next level. But, you know, it's just a very weird spot to be in, especially at 225, 6'3". Like, people obviously want you on the team, but you're not running, you know, that 4'4 four, four speed. I also want to just talk about, you know, his blocking in general. Like I said, he doesn't block anyone his size except for maybe once or twice in that entire film. And then when he does block, you know, he might get a pancake super early in the film, but then he's either watching the rest of the play or he's celebrating his pancake for the duration of the play. Um, just be a true blocker about it. Be a be stone cold football player about it. Go knock someone down, and then instead of watching the player celebrating that, go knock someone else down, bro. Don't stop until the whistle's over. And you know this next prospect that we have to wrap up this episode exemplifies that better than almost anyone else on the show has. So that's something to certainly keep in mind. So just be a smarter football player. Be a bit more driven whenever you do get a chance to block and continue making plays right don't let your highlight reel end at one guy getting blocked get three guys knocked down in one play i've seen it before i know that it's possible and at the bare minimum you should have a handful of two guys knocked over because the opportunity is there but now that i'm done kind of talking about those areas of improvement for kamari and some of the concerns that i have as a scout i will transition here into you know what makes Brown here such a phenomenal tight end and what makes him the second team all Centennial League tight end and that means something in the Centennial League where you have Gunnar Helm over there at Cherry Creek that you know is committed to U of T and you know is like an obvious like um all Centennial League player and an all-state player so to be number two and that's not bad company to 
be number two in. And in the Centennial League, you're facing the best competition. It's the best league in Colorado. I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it over and over again. It just really is built different like that um, with the talent pool that's in there. And, you know, you obviously have your Creek in there. You have your Arapaho in there. And just a lot of powerhouses coming from that league where I think the best of the best play. But talking about more what he does on the football field well, not his on-paper accolades because Max Preps didn't have his senior year stats. But anyways, Kamari is an exquisite route runner for a tight end. There's one play in particular where he kind of does a slow play jab inside like he's doing a slant and it's a whip route against a cornerback and he totally gets him really hardcore and then makes a little dip inside to score the touchdown. So I just really like, you know, his out in out kind of route. And, you know, he shows that a few times where he kind of does that gallop slow play release. And I think that that's going to buy him a lot of room and yards on the next level too. I think that's a very transferable release that he has that, he's able to clearly run in and out routes out of and it's very exciting to see that kind of footwork and that kind of you know football IQ on this level from from a high school tight end you know at 6'3 225 he does have pretty good footwork to kind of compensate for the lack of game breaking speed that he has and you know continue to make plays with an expanded route tree I can tell that the Overland staff over there trust Kamari to run a bunch of routes and that his quarterback also trusts him to make plays. A lot of the plays that Brown is able to make is because he's just so intuitive and he finds holes in the defense and he improvises with his quarterback. I really am just, it's really hard to describe without watching it. So I would recommend watching Kamari Brown's film because he's just so good at finding the holes in the defense, whether the play is developing and it's a part of it what like his stick routes are very good because he shows great field positioning and you know shows good field awareness and finding the hole in the defense as well as the ability to gain the yards necessary on his stick routes where he can either curl inside curl outside or you know turn it into an out route and he utilizes all three of those for sure you know in his film and to see that kind of mental acuity is it's great for a scout and that's one reason why I think I'm so excited to see where he does go and what what he's able to show what he's able to do and he's also able to find holes in the defense on break broken down plays you know the quarterback is scrambling around the plays six or seven seconds which is obviously not what it was what it was planned to be but Kamari does find holes in specifically the left side of the field in the end zone to to score and for his quarterback to kind of show off that arm and Kamari comes down with some tough catches, you know, by that boundary, by that sideline in the end zone and, you know, jump ball situations as well. So he's a very versatile tight end with phenomenal route running. Actually, some of the best route running in the entire state, uh, wide receivers or tight ends included. And I'm willing to, to say that. I also think that when he does block, you know, he is asked to block DBs and he does have pretty good lateral quickness whenever he is asked to crack block on outside linebackers or dbs who are blitzing in the run game and i really like the creative ways that they use kamari to do that and his you know ability to pull those things off in addition i also think that when it, he does block straight up on the dbs he squares up super well he doesn't reach out of his you know balance points and he knocks him down and he collects pancakes you know he does collect pancakes that is something important to keep in mind 
And that's all you can ask for out of somebody is to just completely erase a defender from a play. And the only thing that can make it better is, you know, after he erases one to go control alt delete some other ones. But, you know, I, I, and, and it last but not least six foot three, 225. That's great size for that next level. And, you know, it, if it, you can't take the hint, he's super hard to bring down. Um, it's not easy to bring down a 6'3", 225-pound tank that moves the way Kamari does. On his opening play on his highlight reel, he does evade slash push through like three or four tackles. So there's a lot to like about Kamari here, and that's reasons why he has offers schools like Culver Stockton College, which is the NAIA, and Black Hills State, which is a Division II college. I have been pretty familiar with Black Hills State in my time in football. You know, there are a lot of kids at Arapahoe that either got offers there or ended up going there. One such guy was Dalen Stutz, stand-up offensive lineman, you know. And um, I think that that would be a great fit for Kamari here. I do think he's a D2 player, mostly because of his lack of speed more than anything else. And, you know, just the film of not having your hand in the dirt. But I think he'd be a very good Division II player. And I think he could be a potential rotational guy on that lower end FCS level. I wouldn't be surprised if UNC might try and take a stab at him, maybe as a transfer here in a few years, just because they have so many graduate transfers right now at the wide receiver position, but slash tight end position. But, you know, I do think that Brown is right in his wheelhouse and could find a lot of success at Black Hill State and any D2 for that matter, where I think he just matches up against the size and speed of the competition there super well at his size. And, you know, he might even be able to improve quite a bit there. So that's kind of my breakdown and my outlook on Kamari Brown, the tight end out of Overland High School. Obviously, Kamari, you are invited onto the show, whether it's to defend yourself, chop it up, ask questions, or what have you. Love to just talk football with you. And congratulations on being a second team all-centennial tight end. Like I said, that's definitely nothing to scoff at. And, you know, very, very impressive given the level of competition. But... That does it for Kamari Brown, and we're going to wrap up Request Part 30 with a three-star lineman coming up next. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the final segment of the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and this is Request Part 30 featuring Roderick Green, the six foot five, three hundred and five pound guard slash tackle out of Springfield High School, who is a three-star Grambling State commit. And I'll start with some areas of improvement because they're just—I definitely was nitpicking, and it was hard to find some areas of improvement because Roderick is a damn good offensive lineman, and some of the most entertaining offensive line film I've gotten to watch to date. I think that. He could definitely get a little bit faster getting out of his stance from the snap. If you watch his film, almost every single other lineman on the line gets out of their stance before he does. Um, so I think that's just working on that body control and that balance and that lower body strength. I also think that he could improve his football IQ just a little bit with, you know, he, sometimes I think he blocks the wrong guy and the guy that he maybe should have blocked ends up making the play. It definitely decreases from his junior to senior year, but it does still happen at times. And so that's just a watching film thing and understand the, the scheme. It's going to happen from time to time, obviously, depending on the play, but it's still an area to look at and, you know, just being able to watch more film 
would help you know be a remedy for for such a thing i also i'm not sure if this is the offensive coordinator or the the play calling here or if it's rod himself but he does have a tendency to give away a play call with his stance you know if he's in a three-point stance especially a tackle it's going to be a run play and if he's in a two-point stance it's going to be a pass play uh i didn't i wasn't able to determine if the entire line does such a thing but that is something to kind of keep an eye on and you know he kind of shows what the play call might be depending on where his eyes are at too if he looks inside i think it's gonna especially with a three-point stance it's most likely going to be a run play and if he's looking a bit more to the outside and like scanning his head back and forth you can kind of hear it in the audio i bet you know um where he's looking left to right across the horizon in a two-point stance or even in a three-point stance at the guard position it's probably a pass play because he's trying to identify you know who he's going to block in the pass game so just working on being able to see that defense and kind of think a little bit faster and line up boom get your hand in the dirt and going from there just a bit more mental speed i guess would be the end of it but I also want to say that, you know, this is very nitpicky, but at times his pass blocking stance is pretty wide, you know, has a very wide base. And so I think that would make him susceptible to double moves from the defensive line on that next level at Grambling State. But with all that being said, Roderick Green is a three-star, you know, prospect for a reason. And that's because he is a pancake machine with excellent hand placement and phenomenal super strength from the hips up and his arms and his legs so you know I, i'll just talk about roderick green the mountain of a man himself six foot five 305 pounds you can't ask for much better prototypical size from a guard slash tackle combo you know heading up to that next level who you know has great leg strength and is able to drive for you know up to 10 to 15 seconds at a time against certain players and, you know, with the kind of arm and shoulder strength and the hip movement and strength to be able to twist and turn and follow de defensive linemen or linebackers, depending on which way they're trying to swim around him. Or, you know, just the arm strength to toss, you know, some players like a sack of potatoes. You know, he shows strengths in so many areas and such a versatility with that strength that I have the utmost confidence calling basically any play uh, with Roderick Green on my line towards his side and having the utmost confidence that he's going to be able to execute it and you know talking about the strength and the physical traits he's just so hard to get through because even you know if he steps back in pass coverage from the guard position and somebody tries to shoot a gap there's just no way that they're going to be able to do that because he's just so big i saw a couple of plays actually where some athletes just ran into him because they didn't expect him to take up that much room so you know obviously it's hard to beat that size but there's things that he does fundamentally technically well that makes him that three star you know because i've talked about the raw athletes on this episode but this is the more refined player arguably the most refined player on this entire episode as far as what his position demands and you know it starts with his absurd hand placement where his hands are in the same spot every time it's like clockwork you don't have to worry about his hands really slipping outside because his hands shoot out fast and they shoot right inside those shoulder pads just where you want them and he has full control of whoever he's blocking you know there's instances where he gets a pancake on three-star defensive linemen or you know air force commits and you know air force is a division one school and you know yeah that's just something to consider is just 
the amount of success that he has against a high level of competition and the reasons why and the consistency consistency is key and rod green is one of the most consistent players i think that we've done a breakdown on because almost all of his plays look the same uh, as far as what he's able to accomplish with a couple of things popping out on the film you know he i think while he is a little slow out of his stance his step and his hands compensate for that very well because his step it always is where it needs to be if he's pulling across the formation his hips are opening up if he's stepping to that second level you know that lead foot that inside foot is the first one forward so excellent first step and you know excellent hand placement if he does need to do that straight off the snap getting those hands right where they need to be and he's a taller guy too so like it's it's a little bit easier for those shorter linemen those shorter guards to just be under the shoulder pads already kind of like the troy fountains that we've talked about but with Roderick, you know, it, it is, he has to focus on where those arms are going to go and he has to make sure that they're not reaching over or outside anything, which is easier for him to do at his size. And it's easier to commit a penalty. However, he consistently doesn't do that. And so that's a very mature thing. And that's a very, you know, pro style that I could see, uh, elevating and, you know, escalating him to levels even beyond the collegiate level, but I'll save that a little bit and just talk about how good his focus is in the past game you know he's very good at you know showing patience in the past game i'd say is is what i'm trying to say and he he's willing to let defenders come to him and you know just have confidence in his base and have confidence in his strength and his ability to read to to block them at the time that they do come barreling towards the line whether it's a delayed blitz or you know a stunt of some kind He's able to pick those up very well and he has very good focus you know there are multiple times on his film especially in the passing game where he blocks two defenders at once literally one with one hand and the other with an with the other hand and so obviously part of that is due to his size and strength but a lot of it is his focus you know he's focusing on two things at once and he's showing football vision unlike a lot of linemen that i've ever seen who literally just palm two defenders at the same time and they're not like it's not cornerbacks that I'm talking about. He's palming two whole other dudes um, with an arm apiece. So that's... I, <laughs> I'm laughing thinking about it because I was laughing watching these defenders try and get past him. Both of them. And it was just hopeless a couple of times. He also has blocked multiple guys in run game, whether he actually is doing the same kind of one hand on each defender and driving them back thing, or he's pushed defenders into other defenders and has even knocked up to three of them down off of one play in the run game. So, you know, he's just very fundamentally sound. He's very strong. He drives his feet until the whistle. That's one thing that, you know, I talked about is a concern for some of the guys on this episode, but not with Roderick Green, you know, he's locked in. And there's one play where he drives this other player almost into their own bench because, you know, the whistle just hasn't blown yet. Or he's driven people 20 to 30 yards down the field on one single block. Uh, so if he gets your if he gets his hands on you and he starts driving, your career is as good as over. You know, it's it's kind of like the, that scene from the blind side. What well, what'd you do that for? I took him to the bus, coach. So I think Roger Green has the potential to do that. And, you know, I think Grambling State got a bona fide star on their hands to couple with their other highly touted recruit in Noah Bodden. So talking about Outlook, Roger Green is at Grambling State. And while we do normally 
recommend a redshirt year, especially with the extended eligibility and, you know, getting used to the college life. It does look like he's a good student around a 3.5 GPA, so I'm not absurdly concerned about that. However, Grambling is a very prestigious school, and so, you know, he's going to have to be on his A game in the classroom and on the field. But I would not be surprised if he does find his way into a football game this upcoming season as a true freshman. I think that with his size and with his skill and his ability to be a guard slash tackle, that versatility, it makes him very hard to leave off of the field. And so, like I said, I will not be surprised if he, you know, is, is playing games and rotating in by the season and maybe even starting some games by the end of it. I think at the bare minimum, Roderick here is a three-year collegiate starter, um, unless he only plays for two years and potentially goes on to an NFL draft. I know that these are very lofty expectations. However, there is just a lot of things to like about this. But I do think that, you know, playing for four years, uh, refining and getting smarter at the game, I think are the biggest areas to address. And I think that he, you know, kind of needs to figure out whether he likes guard or tackle more or what suits him best. And then going from there as far as how to size up or size down or, you know, extend that mobility and that athleticism at the same time. But that does it for these prospects on request part 30. And, you know, I'm just going to take some time to say, hey, thank you to all of our listeners and all of our supporters who've been listening to our episodes. You know, with these three episodes coming out a week, you guys have consistently shown out. You guys and gals have consistently shown out and listened and accepted our advice. And I just want to say thank you for all the support on, you know, all of our social medias. And if you don't know where we're at on social media, you uh, we're Playmakers Corner on Facebook, on TikTok and Instagram. And we're at Playmaker Corner on Twitter. So feel free to follow us there. And then obviously, you know, if you're listening to this, you know that this is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts as well as a couple of other ones too. So, you know, just thank you so much for all the support through 30 request episodes. And, you know, we're we're also at that point where we're at like 33 of our regular episodes. So just keep staying tuned for more interviews and more request episodes. And yeah, from the bottom of our heart and as your host Cody Stauffer, I say big thank you and peace.